Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. This pod is brought to you by Brand MN. They're a Minnesota company that makes awesome shirts and more for Minnesotans. So odds are if you're listening to this podcast, which you are, they've got something that you'll love. I personally like the Scratching Post shirt. It's a picture of a cat scratching on the WNBA Championship trophy. It's for the Minnesota Lynx, and it can be yours. All you have to do is go to brandmn.com and use the code AWAW for 15% off your order. Your closet will thank you. Welcome back to the Wolf Among Wolves podcast. I am your host, Brendan Hetke, and you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Hetke MBA. You can find the show on Twitter at AWAW underscore podcast. And as always, this podcast is a part of the Wolf Among Wolves podcast network. You can find the Wolf Among Wolves at a Wolf Among Wolves blog on Twitter. And today on the show, we have a very special guest. Um, I am once again joined by the one and only Jack Borman of Canisupis. How's it going, Jack? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. You have to be the most frequent recurring guest on Timberwolves podcast throughout quarantine. I'm pretty sure that's that's your award. You're on with me often. You're on with Jake Painting often. Who you've been on anything else lately? Uh, I did a I did a show, the Posting and Toasting show, which is the Nick's uh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Nick's SB Nation blog podcast with uh, with Schwinn and Drew out there. Um, couple of couple of really awesome dudes out there. But other than that, no, it's I've just been. I've just been kind of kind of jumping all over the place, having having fun with it. So yeah, we have a lot more free time now than we probably ever have. So <laughs> yeah, but, that's for sure. Anyway, so Jack and I are today going to be talking about power forwards. Obviously, power forward seems like the most um, you know controversial, pivotal. There's many words to describe the power forward for the Timberwolves, but um, I would say like it's a very unique position for the Timberwolves, considering we don't. We've heard from Gerson Rosas about running, you know, multiple big men, not really his style of play. So uh, what do you think um, your, like, traits for a power forward would be? What are, like, the most important ones? Let's start out with that. So if you're asking me for my, my personal opinion, not really taking, in, t- taking into mind what 
Gers is looking for. I, right. I would say for me personally, next to Cat would be he's got to be able to rebound and defend the rim because there is no doubt in my mind that the Timberwolves are going to try and and switch Cat more as opposed to playing him in, in drop coverage. I just think that he's too athletic to have him sit back and and not go up and attack guys. Um, there were there were a ton of different games um, where the Wolves just got continually killed in the PNR, especially against the Clippers with Kawhi um, and yeah, Paul that, George. That, that was they both dropped forty in one of those games, so that yeah, was not and, good. Yeah, and I think the drop coverage had a lot to do with that. But, but anyways, um, so so I think that your big has to be able to defend the rim when Cat gets taken away. He's got to be able to battle on the glass. But then two, I really do think that any guy that the Wolves take has to be able to switch on to at least uh, at least shooting guards and small forwards. Um, I understand if you're not going to switch the one, maybe in a pick and roll, but um, but he's got to be able to, to defend two through five. Um, and and I really hope that it doesn't get lost on the on the front office that that the four in their mind at least should be able to switch on to meteor bigger fives like right. a guy like a guy like Marcus All or or Jonas Valanciunas guys that are legit mm-hmm. fives. Um, so whether whether that actually happens or not um it is still remains to be seen but but i think it's also important to note that i don't really think a power forward in this system has to be able to shoot um i think that being able to defend multiple positions and and fit into different types of lineups just because of defensive versatility is is more important to me or is at the top of that list for me yeah yeah so basically i wrote about power forwards a few weeks i don't know maybe it was even over a month ago but basically I thought of four skills that were pretty important and that was you know size to defend the rim and the not just the size but like the ability to do it because there's guys that have the size Nas Reed has the size he just doesn't do it um they have to be a rebounder like you said and then I said they have to be a have the ability to handle the ball and pass a little bit and this is more so for how I feel Gerson Rosas views a power forward more than how I personally do and then I said they have to have a decent jump shot. You know, they don't have to light the world on fire, but just have a decent jump shot. And so those are my four. And do you think that's how Gers is really, you know, thinking about this? Yeah, I think especially especially the other the other thing I would add to that would be that he, he wants switchability on defense to play down. Yeah. And what I mean by that is to be able to switch on to point guards, shooting guards, and small forwards. Right. Um, just because I think that the Timberwolves are... And what I think he's alluding to with with what he's saying is that the Timberwolves are going to do a lot of switching in terms of one through four, but maybe not so much with Cat. Uh, yeah. And and that is what it is. You know, I I really hope that that Vanterpool can kind of assert himself and say, hey, you know, you guys brought me here to lead the defense, and you know, don't tell me what to do with Cat. Yeah. Um, and, and try something new, just because I think I think it was Travis Lylechuk uh, made a really good point on Twitter uh, earlier this week with saying that you know defense is kind of where Cat's legacy lies in the sense that people always point to oh you know his defense isn't very good yeah uh, that's why Cat's not really mentioned enough with guys like Jokic and Embiid and and uh, and I think he should be able to switch to be able to utilize that athleticism more and kind of make the game a little bit easier for everybody else around him too um but yeah i think i think outside of that in terms of uh ability to handle the ball and pass i think that was a really good one that i forgot to mention i I love that uh and then a decent jump shot too i think that whoever the wolves are going to bring in at the four is going to be able to uh is really going to be able to shoot the ball uh and then the, the other point too that i think might be interesting 
um, is kind of maybe play a guy in in terms uh, like the dunker spot, kind of at the four. Yep. So maybe a guy like Derek Jones Jr. Um, just because I think that his athleticism rolling down to the rim, especially vert- vertically, uh, would just be really tough to stop, especially if Cat Cat uh, spread out to the corner or the yep. wing would just be an interesting element to add. So I think they can really go a lot of different ways, but but the defensive switching versatility down, shooting, and then probably the ability to kind of be a secondary initiator would be what I think they're gonna what I think they're gonna focus on the most this offseason at the four. Yeah, and I think Derek Jones Jr. is a you know, he's a interesting option because he is he would be versatile enough to switch down to it. I mean he's probably traditionally a three, but in this yep. team he could play the four and you could switch him down to the two the three possibly even the one at times but the thing with him is i doubt his ability to guard the rim um just because he is a little bit smaller than you know those bigs you talk about like valentunas and nurkic and hassan whiteside and all these big centers so i think he would struggle a little bit there but um so i've been trying to think of molds and I was talking in, um, we have our Wolf Among Wolves group chat, and I got a little heat for this because I think I worded it poorly. Basically, I was saying, like, it's ironic that Kevin Garnett is the Wolves' best player in history, and that's the type of player we need right now for this team. And then I said, you know, basically all we need is Kevin Garnett. Well, then Tim. <laughs> Tim says, all we need is Kevin Garnett. And I was like, no, 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 that's that's not what I meant. Like, Kevin Garnett would be nice, but really what I'm saying is we need someone in the mold of Kevin Garnett. And there's some options in the league that there are a few guys in that mold. One of them, not available, obviously, but this is the guy I think would be perfect is Pascal Siakam. I think he would be the absolute perfect power forward to put on this team. But there's a couple other guys we can talk about in a little bit. But do you think a KG type, not, I mean, we're never going to have a KG. He's a top five defender of all time. Maybe even one of the best, like maybe the best defender of all time. But do you think a K, like someone in that mold would be like the perfect player here? Yeah, you know, I I think a guy, if you're looking at at someone that can really, really defend, uh, and that's kind of his primary role, would be a guy like Rondé Hollis-Jefferson sticking with the Raptors, Um, just because he's a a guy that that definitely can switch down. Uh, He, again, was kind of traditionally more of a three, played more of the three when he was in in Brooklyn. Uh, I think he even might have started his career as like a shooting guard, too. Like, I think his career (laughs) has transpired in a weird way. Yeah, I mean, he could have. I, I know that he's not really a guy that's a threat to shoot whatsoever. Um, so I think that's probably what what influenced the move right. to move kind of further up the up the lineup. But uh, yeah, I think that he's a guy that can definitely switch down. Also, a guy that's definitely big and bulky enough to to switch on to bigger guys and and, yep. and really pack the paint, rebound, and, and and try and defend and block shots at the rim. But yeah, I, I completely agree that, that Pascal is exactly that type of guy in terms of. Uh, the primary and ancillary skills that he he possesses. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's not going anywhere, but uh, right. but it is definitely an interesting an interesting mold to look at. I think that when you look at the draft, I think you might be able to hit gold a little bit more there rather than free agency, just because yeah. the guys that are in free agency, I think we know a little bit more about. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, obviously, guys in the draft, you know, we don't know. We haven't seen them play in the NBA, so. Uh, what are some guys maybe in the draft that you think kind of go along that mold or or are kind of similar to what you're personally looking for uh, at the four spot next to Cat? 
Okay, so if we're starting off with the draft, someone that I... Okay, so let's just look at the power forwards that are in the draft that are likely top 20-ish picks. So, and then some of them might be a little bit later, but... So we got Onyeko Kongwu, um, who could be a 4 or 5. Obi Toppin. Uh, Denny Avdia, who on this team, as we talked about earlier, would I believe be he would be a 4. Yep, yep bingo. Patrick, Patrick Williams, who we went deep into, would be a 4, maybe even a small ball 5. And then uh, Sadiq Bey, who I think also on this team would be a 4, not a 3. And then two other guys, Paul Reed and Precious Achua, are another two guys that I um, came yep. up with that possibly could be power forwards. Uh, is there anybody I'm missing that you could think of offhand? No, I, I don't think anybody that, that you're missing that would that would play the four. I mean, unless you want to talk about Poku at the four, but yeah, uh, but yeah, that's 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 a different story. I don't. <laughs> He's think a that, I don't NBA think, Twitter draft darling. So yeah, I don't think I don't think he'll be in Minnesota next year. But yeah, I no. like that. I like. I think the list you laid out there was, was so, right, right right on. If we're talking immediately about the mold of who I personally would want playing next to Cat, I'm throwing Onyeko Kongu and Obi Toppin out the door. Okay. If you could combine those two players, <laughs> it'd be the perfect. It would be the perfect player. But unfortunately, they're yeah. two separate players. So right. Okongwu just lacks shooting, but I do love his defensive capabilities to the point where I could, I would like Okongwu on this team. But I don't think Gerson Rosas would. I could deal with Okongwu not being able to shoot. I agree. I agree. And maybe yeah, I, and, I and there's he's young. He has the room to develop a jump shot to the point where he possibly could a few years down the road. So I'm not out on Okongwu, but I am completely out on Obi Toppin. I am too. He cannot defend a lick, and I just... If we want Cat... I tweeted this the other day, but if we want Cat to be even average defensively, he's going to need a good defender next to him. And Obi Toppin, even if he's not as bad as people think he is, he's still not going to be good enough to elevate Cat defensively to the point Uh where we want Cat to be. Yeah, he's absolutely as bad as people think he is. Um, <laughs> I mean, he looks like how I would look out there if I were playing defense, and I'm right. 6'3", 225. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm nowhere near his size. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just have no low center of gravity at all. I'm very slow laterally. I just yeah. like to try and block everything, and um, I, I don't guard point guards or anybody smaller than me. So um, <laughs> like that's just kind of like what Obi Toppin does. But um, yeah, I mean, if 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 you're asking me, I, I think that oh, I'm out on Obi too. Um, I I feel differently about Akangwu just because I think that he's such a special defensive talent that I think he would he would be a really interesting guy to just say let's draft talent and make it work. Um, and it would force the Timberwolves to switch what they're doing defensively, anyways, which I don't, which I would be a fan of because I don't like the fact that they continually have Cat in a drop scheme. Yeah, I hate um, the drop scheme too. Just Especially because, because it doesn't work. You know, it, yeah. it was good to try it, but it's been tried in a large sample size, and I don't think it's going to work. Yeah, I mean, it really worked well in Portland, and I think it'd be more interesting to try it now that we have D'Angelo Russell and we have yeah. probably you know a somewhat upgrade on the wing at defense over Andrew Wiggins and and Malik Beasley, Beasley which isn't yep. saying much. But no, I mean, then you throw if you threw. J.O. out there with a guy like a Kongwu or a defensively minded four, I think that your drop scheme would would be a little bit different. It'd be more um, effective for sure. Yeah, I, I, but again, I is it effective enough? I don't know. But I also think this team is kind of on the path to let's have a top five offense and a 
20-ish yeah. defense. Right. But, yeah, another guy that I really like in the draft um, that, that you mentioned earlier on that list was Paul Reed from DePaul. I uh-huh. think that... And you could get definitely get him 16 if or 15 or whatever the Brooklyn oh, pick ends yeah. up being. Yep. You know, he's he not will. somebody you got to spend our top pick on. Yeah, I think he'll for sure be around at 16 or 15, hopefully 15. Um and who knows? Could potentially even be around at thirty-three when that when the time rolls around there. But he's been on big boards anywhere from twentieth, fifteenth, twentieth to fortieth. So he's kind of all over the board for people. Yeah, and I don't think anybody has any clue what's going to happen outside of the top ten. I think we all kind of have an idea of what guys might go top ten, but after that, yep. I think it's going to be. Nuts. I think so too. It's going to be. But, yeah, it's it's very interesting. But the note I was going to make about Paul Reed is that Paul Reed is just so all over the place on defense. He's really, really quick laterally, and he can he can defend one through five. He's got a seven foot two wingspan, and and you know for a guy that that can move that well at, at six ten, six six nine, six ten with a seven two wingspan, and fly up and block shots at the rim, kind of in more of like a like a a Patrick Williams mold where. Yep. You know, he's probably not going to be a really great post defender, but every once in a while, I think, you know, could have, could be on on the back of some guy that's a lot bigger than him and, and hold his own pretty well. Um, but, but yeah, I think his defensive versatility to fly around, kind of play more of a free safety role where he can read the defense and, and kind of play all over the floor would be, would be really interesting to see him next to a guy like Cat, just because he, he's a guy that's so long and, and so good at timing when to try and break plays up, whether it be digging and pick and roll or, you know, pre-rotating on the backside and kind of laying in the weeds, if you will. And then rotating off the backside when guys drive to the rim, he just destroys balls at the rim, which is just so fun to watch. And I think he, he's really developed as a shooter. I think that his shooting still has a little ways to go in terms of being a consistent shooter from yep. the outside at the NBA level. Uh, just because, you know, he only shot 34% in unguarded catch and shoot situations, which is the majority of, of three pointers that mm-hmm. he took. Um, and again, only shot thirty percent from three as a whole, but I, I do think that the the kind of foundation is there for him to grow as a shooter. But but even then, I still think that his his ability to kind of play make and, and put the ball on the deck and, and get to the rim would be really interesting. That kind of fits along with your um, fits along with your idea of of having that that guy at the four spot be able to create a little yeah. bit too. And you mentioned his shooting and it wasn't great, but I mean, still 30%, almost two attempts a game as a, as a junior. So that's another knock on him. He will be like 21 and a half years old when the next season starts. So he's not young, but, um, you know, it shows his willingness to take a three. He has obviously enough touch to make them at an okay rate to where you can't just totally disregard him. So if that develops a little bit more, but yeah, I just love his versatility defensively. And I, I mean, he scored 15 points, had 10 rebounds, so he obviously can rebound. He can obviously score the ball if he needs to. But on this Timberwolves team, he's really probably not going to need to. And Paul Reed's a guy that I didn't, I'm honestly going to say, I didn't know much about Paul Reed until I was preparing for this episode because Paul. Reed, I was looking more at that lottery area before I really deep dive down. And Paul Reed's a guy that I really like. And he's if I were to do a big board, which I'm not sure if I'm going to, Paul Reed would be 
decently high. I'm not saying lottery, but he would be pretty high on my big board, I think, especially for a timber for the Timberwolves. Yeah, I'm kind of in the process of doing that, um, kind of working through one of my own. I've got through, I think I'm really solid on the first, on the top eight or nine guys, and then after that, it's kind of all over the place. And Paul Reed's kind of one of the guys I'm jockeying for to kind of be one of those last guys in the, in the lottery. Um, and I, I just think that he would be so fun to watch just because he's really athletic. He averaged, you know, 2.6 blocks and 1.9 steals uh, in, you know, in 31 minutes played for, for DePaul per game for, for DePaul this year. Uh-huh. And so that just shows that, you know, he can really defend at the rim, but he's also really good in passing lanes. And, and that's kind of what you're looking for. Um, and, and, and especially if Cat's going to keep playing the five, which is another thing we can talk about, but yeah. But having a guy like Paul Reed that can rotate off the backside and swap swat shots off the backboard would be a really nice safety valve for Cat. But the, the downside of Paul Reed is, you know, I just don't know if he's polished enough offensively to start right away next to Cat. Right. But but hopefully he could. I mean, who knows? Yeah, so you mentioned Cat playing the five. Let's let's dive into that a little bit because something I want to talk about. So what are your views on that? What are your views on Cat being a five? Does Cat have to be the five on this Timberwolves team? So, as it relates to how Gers thinks, yes, he has to be the five. Right. But if you're asking me but, how but I what think, do you think? For, yeah, for what do I think, I, I, I don't think he has to be the five at all. And the reason why I say that is because I think that Cat is arguably a better perimeter defender in terms of being able to move his feet and keep guys in front of him and turn ball handlers. Uh, okay. Yeah, I think he's better at that than he is at at defending the rim, which is saying something for a guy that's yeah. that's seven feet tall. And right. um, and I really think that you got to play to a guy's strengths. I understand the fact that you want to develop his interior defense, as do I. Uh, but, but I don't think that you can just say, you know what, we're not going to use any of the strengths that you do have defensively and just totally hone in on you you know, being this drop big that, that defends shots at the rim and makes life harder for defenses. I think, you know... I also don't like the whole idea of f- you know four out one in or playing a five out yep. offense essentially with without having two bigs. I think that especially if you're going to be a team that's going to be a perennial playoff team, you've got to be able to play multiple, you know, play multiple on offense in in the yep. sense that you've got to be able to play with two bigs because some lineups are going to on the on you know when you're playing defense, some lineups are going to have to have two bigs to defend the other team's two bigs on offense, um, especially in the Western Conference. Um, and, and I really hope that they try cat at the four a little bit, maybe throw him out there with Nas Reed, you know, in a game that is a blowout or try doing it in a preseason game, or maybe if they play, if they all play in this delete eight, um, just try doing different things with him defensively to see what works. Because if, if they're able to do that and then, you know, draft a guy, whether it's at 16 or maybe in the, in the second round or in an undrafted free agent spot. Um, I, I think you could really play cat with a more traditional five, just because he's so dynamic on the perimeter on offense to a point where you're not losing a ton. If you have a guy that, you know, that isn't as much of a perimeter player as cat. So, but yeah, do you kind of feel the same way or do you think see him as more of a traditional five? I'm not quite as um, switch cat to a four as some people are, but I, I'm not against it. I would have to see it more because we've barely seen it, you know. But you're in favor of potentially trying it to see oh, what yeah. it looks like. I would, I would 100% throw him out there next to 
I don't know. I mean, we never, we rarely saw him next to Gorgie Jang, who was a good rim defender. Why didn't we see that, you know? So I would like to see him uh, run at some four and see what we have there. But um, it would. I'm not going to form an ELA opinion because I don't know. There's been there's been some evidence of him being able to move his feet well out on the out on the uh, perimeter and stuff. So I think that would be interesting. But um, yeah, I'd have to see more of it. I'm not gonna say, but yeah, I would I would like to see it, and I think a lot of people would. But Gerson Rosas would not. And that that's another thing that I um, I have to question a little bit. Do you think Gerson Rosas won big, and then um, for people that are not bigs? <laughs> um, do you think that means like point guard, shooting guard, two small forwards? Because I think it might mean point guard, point guard, shooting guard, small forward, or like point guard, shooting guard, shooting guard, small forward, and just like really small outside of cat. I yeah, mean, a decently I, big three, you know, like a six foot nine three, not like Malik, not like Jared Culver running the three, but more like a, a Sadiq Bay running the three. And then you have Malik, D'Angelo Russell, and. I don't know another point guard out there, Jordan McLaughlin or something. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely don't like that that he's so married to that idea. But I definitely mm-hmm. think that those first four players. I think you could have two point guards because I think we saw J Mac and D'Lo play together last year, which was yep. j- or this year, I should say. God, <laughs> yeah, um, it's been a long uh, year. Which was phenomenal. I loved it. It was it was great, and it was probably the best two man lineup the Timberwolves had all season. Um, but very, very small sample size, but yeah, but, but I agree. Ah, I don't know. I mean, it was a small sample size, but yeah. at the, but like, I think it was a, it was a big was enough, very sam- effective. it was a big enough sample size for me to a point where I say, all right, we got to see more of that next year. You definitely need to take, you can't just throw it out where it's like, oh, you know, small sample size doesn't matter. It definitely matters because of how effective it was. And it was a large enough sample size to mean something. Yeah, but again, like not a large enough sample size to be like, all right, this is what we have to do for X yep. amount of minutes every game. Large enough to try it out again. Yeah, for sure. Um, and the other thing that I want to mention that I that I agree with you completely on is the fact that you said that it, it just could be really anybody. It doesn't have to be you know a, a point guard, a shooting guard, a small forward, a power forward. I think it could be really any combination of those yep. four positions um out there i mean obviously you need like a lead guard out there who but you know i i don't think that that's going to be Jarrett culver this year i think they tried that and they really only did yep. that because you know they didn't really have <laughs> they didn't really have any other options uh until you know jordan mclaughlin really asserted himself right but but yeah i th- I, I don't think that it's going to be traditional by any by any sense right so all right what is there any other? Let me look in my list here. Other draft people. Um, we talked about we talked about Patrick Williams in depth um, a couple episodes ago, so we don't need to get too in depth. But I think Williams would be good. His knock again would be the shooting and offensive consistency and everything. Um, anything else you want to touch on with Patrick Williams there? Um, I think Patrick Williams just you know like we touched about touched on a couple weeks ago was that I, I think he really does have some intriguing secondary playmaking skills especially in the pick and roll mm-hmm. uh, so I think that the, using him as a point forward would be really interesting to see um, but yeah I mean other than that I think we've, we've kind of touched on it and, and you kind of just alluded to it 
Okay, so we talked about Paul Reed, touched on uh, Patrick Williams. Um, Sadiq Bey is another person, traditionally probably a three in the NBA, but he's got the size. He's like six foot three or six foot eight, excuse me. Um, and he's not like a small player by any means. He's two fifteen, so he has a little bit to him, but he's not like a massive dude. But he definitely could guard fours. Um, what do you think is about Sadiq Bey? He's a he looks to be a quality defender and a great shooter which would fit some of the stuff, but I don't know offensive creation-wise outside of that what we really have from Sadiq. Yeah, you know, I think Sadiq is one of those guys that's, you know, kind of seen as what I like to call a synergy superstar uh-huh. um, in the sense that he, he all of his metrics are really crazy good in synergy, especially on offense. But I, I really question his ability, at least at the NBA level, to put the ball in the deck and create which I think yeah. lowers his ceiling as a three and probably moves him more to the four just mm-hmm. because, you know, he's not going to blow by anybody. But I, I do think it would be interesting if he got a matchup against a smaller two or three. He's really, really good at using his throwing his weight around and using uh, his size to really get into the chest of yeah. defenders and, and kind of create leverage that, creates open space for him to finish around the rim so that would be interesting but but if he's matched up against a guy that's his size or larger i think he'd really struggle to create off the dribble which mm-hmm. i think lowers his overall upside in my mind but if he can shoot the ball the way he shot the ball in college i mean he is going to have a place in 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 the nba he's 95th yeah, he, he's, he's 98th percentile and i'll catch and shoot shooting 48% or pretty much 49% from the floor as a whole. Yeah. And an effective field goal percentage of 72.5%, which is absolutely what, what out of this What did he shoot from three? Good. 45% from three? Which uh, is yeah. just. Yep. Which is crazy. That's as a sophomore. But another knock on him, as I mentioned earlier, is he's also 21 years old. And some of the bigger name people that know a lot more about draft stuff, draft stuff than you and I do, they think he might be who he is already and he's not really going to develop a whole lot more you know especially like athletically so I think that's something to be aware of but he intrigues me I used to be a lot higher on him than I am now he used to be my favorite person to pick at 16 but now it's definitely um Williams yeah Patrick Williams I agree so another power forward option we talked about was Denny of Dia what do you think of Denny as R four, so I really was down on Denny before the hiatus, um, mm-hmm. just because I was really worried about kind of the posture of while while he was shooting. It just looked mm-hmm. like he was uncomfortable while he shot, and I didn't like the long term viability of it, or didn't you know think much of it. But yeah. he he really seems to have reworked his jump shot, and it looks a lot more fluid now. Um, and he shot the ball extremely well since being back um, since the. Uh, since the yeah, Euroleague has, has come really back, well. really, really well. I think something. I think it's been north of forty percent. Um, and, and I really like his ability to get out and transition and run and and play make, uh, especially when they got numbers. And if he can still be the great slashing and finishing guy that he is at six eight six nine, I think he could be really good. I I, I really do. I think he's really quick laterally, which would be a, a really nice weapon to have defensively especially if you're 6'9 probably has close to a 7 foot wingspan do you um, think he has the size to guard 
fives consistently if we ask to switch on to them? You or know, like the skill I, to do it? I mean, he has, know, yeah, he probably I, have the size, but... I mean, he's two. He's 220 pounds, and I think that getting him in an NBA strength and conditioning program would be interesting yep. to see what a team would want to do with him. But I, I don't know. I haven't seen enough of him getting switched on to big guys to, to really tell you for sure. I, I think that he probably could. He's definitely built, because he's though, long. Like, yeah, and he's... It's I, not I don't, like, it's, like Luca came into the league, and he was kind of, like, chubby. Yeah. Avdia's, like, like, every pound on him is more muscle than it is, like, fat so right. if he can build on that i think he would have an okay time but i don't yeah, know i don't think he's going to get exploited on defense by yeah. a guy that's way bigger than him but but i i, I you know i'm not going to sit here and say like i know exactly what's going to happen to but him. again but, it comes back to the point where if you want to elevate cat you need to put a really solid defender next to him yeah and, and i think denny can be a really really solid defender at the yeah, nba level because exactly. he's already so been a solid defender at the euro league which is the mm-hmm. next best thing so yeah um. Yeah, I like Denny there. He's one of my five or six favorites to come in as the power forward for the Timberwolves. Um, what? What? Just to keep it on Denny for a sec. What? Who, yeah, I would. So where? What are the? What's kind of the context of of how you'd take Denny? Like, would you take who would who would need to be off the board for you to consider Denny? What pick do you think we have? Like that's another thing that factors into because it. I'm so not like, taking Denny top three or f- probably not even top four. I, think I probably would be, wouldn't either. I think it would I, be like, it would have to be like sixth, and Devin Vassell is already off the board, and then I would take him. Yeah, my my thing too is like you you'd have to not have Killian Killian Hayes would have to be mm-hmm. gone. I he's, think he's Anthony, another two. I think the three guys that would for sure have to be gone would be Killian, Devin Vassell, and um, and Anthony Edwards. And if those three guys are gone, and you're at like four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. Um, or not eight, but four, five, six, or seven. I would, I would totally consider taking him. I think he's going to be really, really solid. I think I he's think, got one of the higher floors of any player in the draft. I think Lamelo Ball would have to be gone too. <sighs> I know, no, no, no. I give me, don't get me wrong. I'm not that high in Lamelo Ball, especially for the Timberwolves. You're just kind of thinking think that's what would, they might do. Yeah, yeah. I think I he that. would. I think he would have to be gone because if you, if Lamelo Ball falls to five, Someone's you know, there's him. a cru- yeah. there's a crucifixion. But I don't think he's going to fall past three you know three i think is i think he, yeah i think he's gonna go first uh yeah but there's other people too like james wiseman i could see you know the <laughs> james wiseman's another interesting person if you wanted to put him at the five and run cat at the four some people interested I'm, in that but i'm i'm ready for the part of the nba draft where the camera turns on to james wiseman sitting in his house and it's like pick number 14 and people are like why is james or yeah why is james wiseman still on the board and it's going to be like, because people don't think he's good. You know, that happened with Bol Bol and other people. And I, if there's one guy that I think they're going to be like, why isn't he taken yet? I think it's James Wiseman. Yeah, I mean, I think the Timberwolves front office really understands player value. And don't get me wrong, I, as much as I love NBA Draft Twitter, I don't think that NBA Draft Twitter really thinks like executives do in the sense yep. that... You know, I think executives are way higher on James Wiseman than most people. Yeah. On, you know that that are you know, and all those people do a great job watching film and breaking things down, and 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 I don't necessarily disagree with them with having you know Wiseman a little bit being a little bit lower on Wiseman, but like ranking Wiseman lower than twelve or thirteen, I just yeah. don't get it. 
I, th- I, I, I would be absolutely shocked if James Wiseman is not a top six or seven pick or seven or eight I pick. I think he probably will be, but there's just that small part of me that can see him being the... If you go to like a football re- football reference, like Johnny Manziel was like the next big thing and it took however long for Johnny to come off the board. I could see that happening with Wiseman, but I highly doubt it would. But he's like a guy that I could see where they're just... None of those other people are going to fall like I could see Wiseman doing it. I'm not, I can't see Ball falling out of the top five or Yeah, six. if you had to kind of like nominate a candidate for that yeah. to happen to, I think that that's probably the best and one And mostly to due do. to his small sample size. I think if he played a full year in college, he would probably be a solidified top three selection. But also, I don't know. I haven't watched a lot on James Wiseman just because there's not a lot on James Wiseman. And that's what's scary. I think that's what's scaring a lot of NBA draft Twitter as well. Yeah, I saw a ton of him play in high school just because of my job. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I think he's going to... I mean, he has maybe the best physical profile of anybody in the draft. Oh, for sure. And I mean, I it's crazy. Can, yeah, him or Anthony Edwards. I mean, Edwards' seven, physical one profile has a seven, is really six good wingspan too. is nuts. And, mm-hmm. and, and he's athletic as hell too. Yep. So it's not like he's, you know, lanky and still growing into his body. I think he's pretty well grown into that body. So I would say him or Anthony Edwards probably have the best, like, you know, physical profile. Because Anthony Edwards right. is built. No, he's yeah, ready to come absolutely. in and play shooting guard or something. That was, that was the other guy that NBA. I was gonna say you could make an argument for. Um yeah. yeah, but but I think Wiseman's gonna be an all star. I I really do. But but that's a that can be a conversation maybe for a different time, I guess. Yeah. Um, um, so, are we done with Evdia? Yeah, I, I love okay. his prospects as a four in Minnesota. Yep, and we're not talking about Toppin anymore. I'm never talk. I no, get so I get so irrationally frustrated when I see like CBS Sports <laughs> putting having us draft Toppin at like not at two. like not at like no. seven, but at two. It at yeah, two. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> I what said. Are you there's doing? the only way I'm taking Toppin is if he falls to the Brooklyn pick. Uh, even then, I wouldn't take him. I think I would just just because then I'm just like okay you're gonna be our backup four and you're just gonna score buckets, like that's that's why I would take him. I do not want to take him before yeah. that pick. If he's there, unless like De- Devin Vassell was there or something, I would take Toppin there just due to his offensive versatility. But right, yeah, I've been down on Toppin. Okay, so before I really started looking into draft stuff and Toppin was having a great college basketball season, I wasn't watching him at all. And I talked about this in our group chat the other day, too, but you look at Obi Toppin, and you're like, I bet this guy's just a great defender. He's huge. I right. bet he can just take on fours and fives. Yeah. And then you watch him try and move, and it... It's like a dude no. on stilts. It's... Yeah, like... Yeah, and, but and you just he just looks like a beast, but he's... Defensively, he's not. No, and yeah, it's, so it's really... It's tough. Yeah, one of my... And one a, of, a lot one of, my... of it has to do with his lower body. That's basically what it all boils right. down to with him. He's really top but. heavy, yeah. You know, and yeah, he's really fun offensively. I watched a lot of Dayton games just because they played. They played an interesting number of kind of like late Thursday night, early Saturday morning games. Yeah, where uh, you had time to watch. Where them. I had time to watch him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and and I had a couple friends too that were playing in the A10 from high school, so so watch those games too. And he was so much fun to watch offensively, but. Yeah, I just I I can't see him here. You know that that one play though where he's like I you're going to know the one I'm talking about where he just run down the floor and then step inside the free throw line between the legs dunk like yeah, who that does was, that? Yeah. I was that? watching that live. That was nuts. That was Who does that? 
But yeah, that that's enough crazy. topic. I'm, I'm done with him. Okay, so I think we're done with draft people now. Yeah, the, um, the two other guys that I want to mention to keep an eye out for um, are Tyler Bay and Precious Achua. I, I yep. don't think that Achua would... Achua is obviously a guy that would only be... You'd only think about at 16. Really athletic. Could be a really nice re- kind of dunker spot and more of a defensively-minded guy. And a good rebounder, too. Averaged almost 11 rebounds, 16 Great points rebounder. at college. And he showed flashes of shooting, too. He shot 32.5% on, I mean, only 1.3 attempts per game, but... His it's form some, is not you know, bad something. at all. His yeah, form is not something. bad at all. Yeah, yeah and he's got the body for it. He's 6'9", 225, 7-foot, 2-inch wingspan. Like, he's got the size to play and then guard some fives. So, yeah, like if you want to bet on a... I think he could be a, around at... You think he could be around at 33? No, I think he's got too good of a physical profile, and he his... He'll go between 16 and 33 Yeah, I think somewhere. he's just... His potential is too high for him to go... I could see him going like 12 or 13. I could see him not even okay. being there. Because, again, it's thinking more like how NBA executives might think rather than yep, right. rather than how draft a, Twitter. a draft Twitter guy would think. Because draft so, Twitter would take Poku fifth. Right. Which is like, <laughs> I'm so here for it, just as like a fan, but I'm interested. probably not going to happen. Yeah, and then the other guy I want to mention that's an option at 16 or 33, if we got him at 33, I'd be over the moon, is Tyler Bay from Colorado. Yep. Um, probably one of the best. Playing next to McKinley Wright, right? Yep. Yep, former Champlain Park standout. Um, yep. If if we get him at 33, he would instantly be the second best wing defender on the team behind Josh Kogi, and he might even be better than Josh in the sense that he's just so good with when he's not when he, as an off ball defender. He's so so good and so disruptive, and shot over 40 percent from three, albeit it was a small sample size. But if he can if he can even shoot like 35 percent at the NBA level, he's gonna be he's gonna be a really solid. You know, defensive guy with yeah that can just be competent offensively. I think he'll he'll be in the league for a long, long time. And I, another another one's got another one of those guys that's a little bit older. You know, he's twenty two. It'll be probably close to you know probably 20. almost twenty three when he comes in the league. Right, but but again, he's a guy that is definitely going to be able to step in and play, especially on defense right away. Yep, and so. again, he shot. I don't know if you mentioned this, but he shot 42% on one attempt. Obviously, again, super small sample size, but it's something. Um, yeah. And that's that's and always, it, in, you know. And he shot just, 74% from the free throw line. So so you never know when, you know, when I mean, a can, guy's competent free throw shooter, chances are you, you've got a better better opportunity yeah. there to, to, to grow with that. And Cat wasn't shooting threes in college, and now he could possibly be the best shooting big man of all time. Three-point yeah, shooting. Yeah, it's crazy how fast guys can develop if if you yeah. know they're in the right spot. So, all right. So I want to touch on a couple of the power forward options on the Timberwolves right now. Um, oh, I forgot to mention this when we were talking about Denny Avdia. Are you scared that he's just Juancho Hernan Gomez? No, with not a at all. little bit better handle. Very no? very different player. I agree, but you know the physical profiles there um, and everything. So yeah, he's much more athletic know, than than Juancho. I think. Is. I think his floor would be Juancho Hernan Gomez's ceiling. Maybe a little bit. I think his Maybe floor not is higher. Quite, I think his floor is even higher than that. Yeah. But, you know, and it probably comes from being the European thing, and there's a stigma about, like, European players right. all playing the same style and everything. Yeah. But, so, there's some power forward options on the Timberwolves. Juancho Hernan Gomez, he's going to be a restricted free agent, so the Timberwolves can bring him back. I think he fits decently, but I think he lacks the post-defense that we could really... Uh, use next to Cat. He's using the right place, but I don't think he's 
the best option as a post defender? Not at all, no. Um, another person, James Johnson. He's a quality team defender, but he's only six foot seven. Um, not really a difference maker at the rim. Um, but he's he's going to be around because he's not going to he's going to accept his player option. He's not going to turn down sixteen million dollars because he's not no. going to get anything close to that. Yep. Um, do you think there's any chance James Johnson's the starting power forward next season? I think there's a higher chance that James Johnson is the starting power forward than Wancho. Oh, okay. Interesting. I would, I would give I would but, give Wancho like a ten percent chance, and I'd give James Johnson like a twenty percent chance. I like Wancho off the bench more. I think. So do I. But again, and if we, but what price do you pay for a bench power forward when you can get somebody that does what he does probably cheaper? You know? Yeah, well, I also don't think the market for Wancho is going to be very high. But I don't think the um, market's going to be high for anyone just due to the fact that um, you know a lot of things are going on. Cap space is going to be down. So well, that and, will and help the, people, the Timberwolves out. Yeah, and only like four or five teams really have cap space to begin with, and a lot of those teams already have... You know, they already have fours. I mean, you look at yeah. Charlotte. Charlotte's got P.J. Washington. You look at the Knicks. The Knicks have every power forward under the sun. <laughs> and then you look at a team like De- you look at a team like Detroit, and Detroit already has Christian Wood and Blake Griffin. So yep. um, so I just struggle to and, – and, you know, maybe there's a playoff team that, that wants him for shooting and they use their yep. biannual exception on him, which is going to be no more than $4 million and change. Uh, but but again, I, I'd see a team using that on a, on a better two-way player rather than just a one, you know, really only a one-dimensional player. Um, so watch him end up in Houston to play small ball backup center for them. Oh, I don't think, <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's good enough to play. I don't think he's good enough to play, you know, defense as a small ball yeah. five. And that, but that's his shooting, his shooting is interesting though. Oh, for I will, sure. You know, for I would sure. love to have him come off the bench just as, you know, continue the potent shooting when the bench unit comes in. Yeah, I think if the Timberwolves signed a different backup center, which I am also in favor of just for a year or two. I think I know I th- who you're talking about. I think I think you could make a better argument for keeping Wancho and playing him off the bench. Yep. All right. So then Omari Spellman's another guy. He is very interesting and I don't know that the if either the Wolves don't want him here or he doesn't want to be here I don't know but it's very odd to me that he never got a chance even with our depleted um front court last season or this season yeah and there were different rumors going on about that where I think it was a little something different than where I think it might have been a case of an I don't really want to be here type type deal right so but um and then Jared Vanderbilt's the last person on the roster currently that I'm interested in. He's very, I've talked about him a lot. I like Jared Vanderbilt and I hope he develops into what he could be because he could turn into a mold of what we need if he can start shooting um, a little bit better. But, you know, he's six foot nine. He has the size to defend the rim. Um, he's athletic. Um, what do you think, Jared? You think Jared Vanderbilt, any chance he's back and actually has a role on this team next year? Yeah, I really think he does. Um, I don't know how much he plays with the NBA team, but he's going to play a full season in in Iowa, and I hope that, I hope 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 that he stays healthy. You know, Dave Dufour and and Danny Larue and and Seth Partnow have been doing an awesome series on the Athletic about how yep. they would run how they would run teams that are in the Delete Eight. Um, yep. And Dave Dufour made a really good point, um, saying that he he kind of said that a fully realized version of Vanderbilt would be you know his kind of pipe dream for 
a, a front court partner next to Cat, and I couldn't agree more. Um, do you think he, he could, if he reached his full potential, do you think he would turn into Pascal Siakam? I think he could turn into a light version of it. You know, I don't okay. think he's ever, I don't think he's ever going to shoot as well as Pascal, but right. But I definitely could see Jared Vanderbilt, you know, being a guy that can be a secondary initiator that can really have a good time getting to the rim and getting to the free throw line off the dribble from the perimeter, especially if he's matched up against a guy that's his size. But yep. yeah, I mean, he was a really, really good player in high school that was always ranked in the top 10 or top 15 in his class in high school and, and played really, really well in international competitions with team USA. And it's just unfortunate that he's been so injured. Yep. Um, but, but yeah, I think if, you know, again, it's, it's another great guy to bet on to, to keep on your team and, and, keep team control of so uh, if he does kind of realize that full potential then you you kind of have a, a really really positive asset on your hands yeah for sure so okay we're done with people on the team now we look to free agents i'm going to name the top like big man free agents that are out there mostly power forwards uh but some of them you could consider centers as well so anthony davis has a player option obviously we're not getting anthony davis there is an article about that if you want to read it somewhere. I'm not going to mention where. But Anthony Davis is a free agent, <laughs> but he pr- likely will accept his player option. Um, then we got Montrez Harrell, Sergi Baca, Danilo Gallinari, Jeremy Grant also has a player option for about nine million. But he's and already then, he has already pretty much announced that he's going to decline that player option. Right, exactly. Um, and then Paul Millsap. So we're throwing Anthony Davis out because absolutely no way that the Timberwolves would get Anthony Davis. Um, Montrezl Harrell interests me. He's going to cost too much for us to afford him. So I'm going to throw him out as well. Uh, Danilo Gallinari, probably over our price point as well, especially if we want to keep Malik Beasley. So for me, it leaves Grant, Millsap, and Serge Ibaka. And Serge likely would be a five for this team. Yeah, I I could see that kind of just being a fluid thing where surge isn't really a four isn't really a five him and catch is kind of play run out there yeah and i would, um, I, would I would love it i know you're kind of high on surge right yeah i'm really high on surge i think surge is probably my favorite option that the timberwolves could bring in at the four or five spot just because uh-huh. he's so so rock solid and steady if you go look at his basketball reference profile i mean he's pretty much put up the same numbers which are consistently great for you know the last the last three or four years. And yep. he's, he's a guy that is so rock solid, steady Eddie on defense, both defending the rim and he can step out and he's athletic enough, you know, even at more of an advanced age, even, even at 30 to, to be able to step out and defend guys on the perimeter too. You know, he's not going to switch on to twos really, but he can no. switch on to threes and fours and switch yep. up to fives and have zero issue. You know, and the other thing too is the last, you know, he shot at least you know, 30 outside of, outside of a one down season last year in Toronto. I mean, he shot, these are the last five years. He shot, you know, 39, 38 or 39, 36, and then 29 and then back up to back up to 40% this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's with at least shooting at least, you know, four shots a game every year, which is, which is awesome. And, uh, or yeah. And, or at least three shots a game every year. Excuse me. Yep. And 
And, you know, I, I just love his ability to stretch the floor. He never tries to do too much. He never takes a bad shot. He always plays within the flow of the offense. He's a great veteran leader that I think would be really important to have in the locker room, uh, especially if you especially if you lost a guy like Malik Beasley yep. um, or lost a guy like James Johnson, who I think a lot of the guys in the locker room gel with. Um, yeah, it's just there's there's so many positives and so few negatives about him. I mean, the only negative is that he might be too much money to a point where you, you wouldn't have Malik Beasley on your team. Right. And to be brutally honest with you, I'd almost rather have Serge Ibaka than Malik Beasley, but um, but that's neither here nor there. I, I just <laughs> love his I just love right. his you know, his fit in Minnesota. Yeah, and I'm with you on that. I'm not I I'm not quite on there. With the Malik Beasley over thing. Malik Beasley. Yeah. But um, I get what you're saying. And I didn't know Serge was your favorite option. I thought Jeremy Grant would be your favorite option. And maybe yeah. that's just because you wrote that in-depth article that I love, by the way. Um, but Jeremy Grant's the next guy I want to talk about a little bit. Obviously, he can shoot the ball. Versatile defensively. He's someone that can guard. You think he can guard ones? I, he can guard threes. Jeremy twos. Grant? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think he can guard ones. Yeah. Okay. I know for sure, like, twos, threes, fours, switch on to fives. Um, so if you can switch on to ones, too, like, there's your versatile defender that you need. Can also knock down shots. Obviously not much of an offensive creator. Yeah, or that's the only catch-and-shoot guy. So um, you want what else do you notice about Jeremy Grant? Because you wrote a very in-depth piece about him. Yeah, so the things that I've noticed about Jeremy Grant is, outside of what you've already mentioned, was that he also is very good at attacking closeouts. You know, he's not a guy where he's got a ton of shooting gravity in the sense that he's going to totally bring the defense out to him. But he's very competent at knocking down wide-open jump shots, and when defenders do step out, he's so athletic and his strides cover so much ground that he only has to take, you know, one dribble after a shot fake to get to the rim and dunk Uh over somebody or finish through somebody or draw a foul. Um, and, And then on defense, too, just... He was really, really good at defending the rim when Steven Adams got, you know, kind of isolated and brought away from the basket and in side pick and rolls and in, uh-huh. uh, in high ball screens too. And even when they had to ice and Steven Jackson or excuse me, Steven Adams didn't uh, didn't correctly get out to, you know, the the out of bounds line there on the sideline. Yep. Um, and, and Jeremy Grant was left all alone at the rim to try and clean up the mess. He did such a good job of that and did such a good job too cleaning up you know, on the backside, swatting yeah. shots at the rim when guys would when guys would cut and be open, seemingly open underneath the basket. He just He's so good at covering ground on defense yeah. and, and making his presence felt off the ball. And, and don't get me wrong, he's a good on-the-ball defender too, but, but his presence is where, where he makes himself you know, felt – uh, is off the ball on defense, and and, and I think that's and, important next to Cat when you have Cat who can and, tend to get lost on defense. Yeah, and next to Josh Okogi too, who's more of an right. on the ball guy. Um, yeah. and Josh is good off the ball too. Don't get me wrong, but I think this team is more in need of like the Robert Covington type that's really good off the ball and kind of seeing the whole floor and kind of being the quarterback of the defense. And I um, think so. Jared Culver actually kind of. I saw a lot of flashes of Culver playing off really good off-ball defense. Yep. Like some of those, you know, those steals where you're like, how did Robert Covington get this? I saw some of those from Culver. So if you got a Kogi who's good on the ball, you have, if you had Grant and Culver there to cover up mistakes, and then with Cat down low, it could turn out to be good. And I think that Grant could elevate Cat's defense to a level where it's 
slightly below average, maybe average, maybe slightly above, depending how much Cat would buy into it. Yeah, and you're looking at even a year or two years from now, I think Jared Culver is going to be a really, really good NBA defender if he can bulk up a little bit. Um, And for a guy that that supposedly lives in the gym and lives in the weight room, Mm -hmm. I have no doubt that that he can he can get his body to a to a point physically where where he can guard anybody he needs to guard um and and then you throw a guy like jeremy grant next to two of those guys potentially i mean god hope that both of those guys offensive games can come around right uh you'd have a really really interesting five with with d'lo and and cat and then having malik beasley come off the bench um however long down the line maybe two years down the line but but uh, but yeah, Jeremy Grant would be awesome, and you know he's a guy too that, like you said, doesn't really offer that much off the bounce in terms of offensive playmaking. But like I said, yeah. is more than capable of attacking a closeout and putting pressure on the D and just making simple drop off passes to bigs in the lane, like Stephen mm-hmm. Adam. He did that with Stephen Adams all the time in OKC, um, and, and could do the same thing with Cat Cat uh, here in Minnesota. Yeah, he's the type of player where he doesn't really make bad passes he just makes the passes he knows he can make and then he's not gonna you know try and be someone who's he's not which is important for the Timberwolves team as well um so yeah I really like Jeremy Grant he would probably be my ideal for that is realistic because you're looking at right a he's price definitely more realistic what, than Ibaka. you know do you think you'd have to pay more than you think he would get him on like a mid-level exception like you throw him the whole MLE and he's there yeah, I'm actually somebody, I know I might be in the minority here, but I really truly think that Jeremy Grant is not going to get anything more than the middle of exception. And again, it goes back to the same point I made with, look at the teams who have cap space, and then yep. look at how their rosters are built. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, the I Hawks just, have cap space, John Collins. Then there's the Pistons, Christian Wood, Blake Griffin, like you mentioned. There's just well, not and the, the Hawks that, too have DeAndre Hunter, who I think would be somewhat similar to Jeremy Grant too, yep. where it's just, yep. where, where do guys fit in? Uh-huh. So... I completely agree with you on that. And that, and because of that, I think he's going to be a guy that, you know, and he's probably not going to be able to play for a contender because most of the contending teams have have multiple stars, you know, two, sometimes three, uh, three uh, max contracts where they don't have the luxury of just being able to get go get one guy in a full mid-level they have to, a lot of yep. times they'll have to split up their mid-level and especially yep. those contending teams pay the, have the taxpayer mid-level exception which is much lower than i think it's closer to like six and a half or seven rather than the full taxpayer which is like 9.75 mil this year so or the full non-taxpayer which is 9.75 this so do year, we so. have the non-tax or do we have Correct. the tax because we're technically in the tax yeah so it'll that'll that'll depend i think i think ultimately the team will try and get out a corresponding move or figure something out to be able to do it but um does that account for if you're in the tax for the 2019-20 season or the upcoming season uh well i think it it's treated as the season prior the season prior if you were in the tax because because i suppose you, the your team's and stuff not aren't finalized. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'll look it up quick, but but keep going. So to say, so say Grant ends up with that nine point something million dollar contract, um, MLE. What, what's the point of him taking that versus accepting his nine point three million dollar, um, option in Denver? I mean, it's the same contract essentially. Is it just fit? What you think he's a type of player that just doesn't want to be in Denver and wants more of an opportunity elsewhere? Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is, to be honest with you, because, um, you know, he was. Do you think Michael Porter Jr. is going to take that spot? Do you think he's going to be their power forward? Yeah, so I. Because they're losing Mills. They could possibly lose Millsap 
and Jeremy And if Grant. you ask me who's more essential to Denver's success, whether it be Paul Millsap or Jeremy Grant, I would undoubtedly say Paul Millsap without even thinking twice about it. And the fact that they accepted a $30 million player or team option right. on Paul Millsap. Shows they want him. Going into his year 35 or his age 35 season shows how much they like Paul Millsap. Do you think and they re-sign him this I think this they'll try. I mean, I don't know where else Paul Millsap would go. I don't know what his value so would be on the, con- on the... I have no idea what his... I mean, he's... You, you, Nobody's going to be looking to throw him a four-year contract worth a ton of money because yeah, the guy's going to be, be a, forty a one at the or end two. of it. Yeah, yeah, it'd be a one or two. But, but I think that he'll be back in Denver, and I think Grant's the odd man out. I, I did, yeah, you know, Denver did not kind of like Malik Beasley. Right, Denver did not play very well with Grant on the floor last mm-hmm. or this year, um, and he just didn't really fit next to Jokic. And I think the fact that Denver plays a much more slow, kind of grit and grind type of game, I just don't yep. think that's Jeremy Grant's game. I think he thrives in more of an up-tempo, get-up-and-down-the-court game on both ends. Because he played a lot better in OKC, and, and yep. you got Russell Westbrook running the show. Like, you, you're the, go, go, go. The pace numbers are in with OKC are much more similar to what we'd see in Minnesota, obviously. Right. Where Denver was, I think they were second to last in the league, just behind Charlotte in, in offensive yeah. pace, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, for just this year. So, yeah. so we'll see what ends up happening. But I, I would be pretty shocked if if Jeremy Grant was back in Denver, um, and if Jeremy Grant signed for anything more than than the mid level exception. All right, I hope so because if we can get him on a mid level, he would be ideal. Yeah, um, I think and, I, and I think he awesome. would like. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't like playing Minnesota. He'd be the starting four with not a lot of competition, really. You know, unless we drafted a guy or something. But um, somebody I didn't mention, and he just popped into my head, and I just had to look up if his contract. And he is an unrestricted free agent this summer, and that's Marcus Morris. He's on the Clippers now. He just got traded there. Do you think there's any shot Marcus Morris comes? Uh, he was on a $15 million contract last season. He's 30 years old. But he could fit that mold. He can shoot a little bit. Um, decent defender. Like, what do you think? Just very gritty, especially. Do you think that he's an option, or do you think he's going to be out of our price range? You know, I he think... A, he had I a think, really good season. Yeah, I think he'll end up being out of the price range. Um, and I, the reason why I say that is because I think that he'll stick somewhere with... You know, he's a veteran guy. I think. I think that, he's looking for rings too. Yeah, I think too. Yeah. I mean, maybe he's out of the price range. Maybe he's not. But but the primary reason why he wouldn't come here is because I think he wants to play for a contending he team. He just doesn't want to be in Minnesota. Which right. I, I don't, don't blame, blame him. him. Yeah, I can't blame anybody. There's no. There's no. Um, I don't know what you want to call it, but like, you don't look forward to having to cover up mistakes from Carl Anthony Towns. And I right. think that's going to be part of a struggle. But okay. So then, the last person, I forgot to mention we were talking about Timberwolves. What percentage chance do you think Jake Lehman's the starting four next year? Zero. You don't think there's any chance Jake Lehman is? Because they seem to like him. They gave him a three-year deal in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, I love Jake Lehman. I think part of the reason why they gave him a three-year deal was because they thought that, you know, after year one or year two, Jake Lehman would, you know, his value would be much higher than what they initially and signed him for. And I think it will for. be, because what, he get three, four million dollars a year or something yeah, like that? Yeah, I think it was three for nine, um, or three for yeah. 12, one of the two. Yep. Um, but but yeah, I, I just don't see him being you know big enough really to to guard fives, yeah. and I just don't think he's a perfect fit next to Cat, just because he he's much more of an offensively minded guy rather than a defensively minded guy. I think they want a more defensively minded guy next to Cat, 
but but I think he'll play significant minutes, especially as a slasher. Really, really going to fit well with D'Angelo Russell. I think they'll play some minutes together. Yeah, but I, but I don't see him being the starting four just because I, I see think him they as need like a, a better player there. I see him both. 12 15 minutes a game off the bench maybe you know some nights up to 20 depending do you think he's a three or a four i mean what do you position do you think he plays i think he's more of a three personally but i you know i could see him playing the floor four just because he's six eight six nine yeah and and he's really athletic and 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 tall and, and can get up and, and block yep. shots at the rim, but but again he's he's pretty small. Like he's not really that built. He's kind of more of a swingman type yeah. build. Um, but B, I think he'll be a really solid bench piece. And yeah. could and be he's fun not a, with him and Jared Culver could be a fun kind of wing tandem yeah. off the bench. He's not a bad defender. He's like he's no. in the right place, but he's just not. He's not guarding big men like that's just not who he is i'd say he's, a, he's kind of a neutral defender he's not gonna yeah, right. move the he's needle a, a ton yeah you know net net neutral or type right. of player on the floor exactly um, so all right so that's all i had for free agents is there any other free agency you're keeping your eye on or maybe people that you could get via trade or anything in terms of well what i want is probably different than than guys that you know will take uh, two right. two guys, two other guys that I wanted to to note outside of of Grant Ibaka and DJJ were uh, Derek Favors is one who's got I an almost I almost deal, wrote him down who's got an expiring deal down in New Orleans. I think that with Zion coming up and Jackson Hayes coming up as well, I think that he could kind of be the odd man out. Sure. Uh, I don't know that they'll want to pay him a lot of money, especially considering the fact that he, he's dealt with some injuries in recent years. And, and, you know, too, I think he could have a, a, a somewhat decent sized market. Um, uh-huh. He's t- he's 28 now, probably 29 next season. Uh, but, made I think he signed a two-year $28 million deal two off seasons ago. And I yep. just don't see him – I just don't see him getting that kind of money again right. this year just because he averaged 9 and 9 or 9 and 10 yep. this year. And I, I just don't think that's going to be worth a ton of extra money in the open market. Uh, so he, he's probably a full mid-level guy, uh, but but who knows? I mean, maybe he's another guy that that could want to go ring chasing, and I could definitely understand that and see that. But but a guy who's really really solid defensively, doesn't really stretch the floor or shoot threes much. But but a guy like I said, you could or like we were talking about earlier, you could potentially slide him up at the five and yeah. have Cap play more of a four. And, and he's he's a good enough guy in terms of finding open open cutters where you know if you put him in the high post and give him the ball i mean he can he can find an open cutter and make that pass um so so that's another guy that i would watch and then the other guy that i wanted to mention as kind of a bridge from gorgie jang to nas reed at more of a backup five spot that who knows you could play a twin towers lineup that would be a lot of fun uh is myers leonard uh he's one oh, of my I like it he's one of my favorite players just like to follow i think he's just such a funny fun loving dude he's a unique character right you know who i think can fit in anywhere um he's he's seven foot he's got a seven three wingspan he's 260 pounds he can defend the rim pretty well and this year he had a this year is a defensive player impact plus minus of 1.49 which is awesome and he's really good away from the rim too, kind of like Cat. Uh, really, really good at moving his feet, and but but can you know defend the rim really well as a rotating team defender. 
and, and can block shots at the rim as well. Um, and but and more importantly, it was in the 75th percentile or 74th percentile, excuse me, as a pick and roll um, big defender, which I think is going to be really crucial, especially if you've got a guy like D'Angelo Russell as your point right. of attack defender. Um, yeah. Having a guy that that runs the floor really well in transition, but also 91st percentile in overall offense and 70th percentile in spot-ups. And then the last number I'll throw at you, he was 88th percentile, um, 88th percentile in threes. So, and also a yeah, guy you're talking about can, 39% career three-point shooter, 43% this past season two-and-a-half attempts a game, so definitely not a fluke. He can shoot right. the ball. He's not a post-up guy in offense at no. all either, which I think is That's a not good what this fit. offense is about, exactly. you know? Right, right. which is exactly, exactly. I think he's a good fit offensively. And 98th percentile around the basket in non-post-up scenarios. So he's really good cutter in terms of flashing, uh, flashing to help guys that are stuck on the wing, uh, right. helping them out, and, and just kind of making himself available as a big target down low. Um, and being able to finish at the rim through contact. So he, he'd be a really fun guy to have as a backup five that you could play comfortably, I think, next to Cat and just run a mm-hmm. ton of pick and rolls. Uh, he could be a really good guy that can you know dive in a dunker spot or can, can pick out and, or can pop out uh, after, yep. after setting a screen while also playing Cat out there comfortably. So really, really interesting option that, that I, I'm really, I have no idea what his market's going to be just because he didn't, produce a ton of numbers in Miami but but his advanced metrics were very very good and I could see him being a guy that a a team that isn't quite as good takes a bigger chance on financially in order to to kind of see what see what he's got so and he he was in Port was he in Portland when Vanderpool was there too because he was in Portland for yeah yeah he's been there his entire career except for Miami so yeah he he knows Vanderpool Vanderpool knows him so it could turn out to be a decent fit. Yeah, I think so for sure. Like if there's any guy that you want to, you know, if there's a guy that you want to have get creative in terms of how they deploy guys defensively, I think Vanterpool is that guy just because he, mm-hmm. he somehow made a team have a, you know, a top, top half defense with, with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. McCollum. Yeah. So right. it's, he's all about having two way wings and, and bigs that can defend. So if, if the Timberwolves can, can kind of follow that mold in the sense of, having a kind of an, a minus defensive point guard and, and surround them with a bunch yep. of different guys that are versatile two-way players that can that can you know really defend on the wing and be good off the ball I think that Myers Leonard could fit into that and would be an interesting mm-hmm. guy to have have fit and would be a guy that I think fans would love I, I strongly recommend you go follow him on Twitter or Instagram yeah he's so I'm, funny. I'm already seeing stuff too I think the heat got to the bubble yesterday yep. which was Wednesday uh, and I think I've, I've already seen some tweets about how people are saying that Miles uh, or, or Myers Leonard is a is a strong early contender for uh, for like content creator of of the bubble so far. <laughs> he, I saw a picture of him walking around with some like Miami Vice clothes. I think it was Miami Vice clothes, and then some some army combat boots. <laughs> so he's yeah, he is a character for sure. He, he's awesome. His relationship with his dog is great. The two of them and are he, so funny. His wife is hilarious too. Yeah, and she's a she. I feel like she's an athlete. I could be wrong though. I think yeah. I think she she played she's a some sport. At, yeah, I think she might have played soccer at like Illinois, on, which is where they both went. Yeah, and she yeah. So they have a he, podcast together that's pretty funny. And he's um, I don't know. He's all over the place. He's streaming on Twitch and 
Yeah, so it's definitely go follow Myers Leonard. Funny dude. Love to have him in Minnesota next year. But um, yeah, uh, is that it then? Is that all the power forwards? We threw a lot of names out. So there are options out there. If we don't get one of these names we threw out, I'm disappointed. Yeah, I I think that they could they could wind up with I think they'll wind up with one of these guys or or a guy that kind Maybe of fits that mold um, via a trade. I I don't think that they're going to trade for a power forward. I think they'll trade probably more for for a stud player. But uh-huh. but who knows? We'll see what happens. All right. Well, I think that's all we had today. So um, thanks again, Jack, for coming on. And uh, this one was a lot of fun. I think people can now kind of understand some option or understand and see some options that we could possibly have as our wolves for next year yeah absolutely I, I i'd love to see any of these guys that we talked about here um just because they're all they're all available and they're all going to be guys mm-hmm. that, that won't cost a ton a ton of money except for maybe serge Ibaka. right um but but yeah a bunch of guys that that i'd love to see here next year awesome well again i'm brendan hetke this was jack borman and thanks for thank you all for listening and i'll catch you next time For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Grainger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Grainger. For the ones who get it done.